From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 161, and today I'm joined by someone who really needs no introduction, but I'll introduce her anyway. It's Jan Arden, the eight-time Juno Award-winning, Canadian Music Hall of Fame, Writers Guild of Canada winning. I mean, it's Jan Arden. If you haven't seen her new show, Jan, amongst all of her amazing music that she's created over her lifetime... I mean, just go on the internet, people. She's one of Canada's national treasures, and I am honored to say she's a friend of mine. And we're going to sit down through isolation and watch a film together, but kind of apart. All right, so we're sitting down to watch, through isolation, The Searchers. I'm Jeremy. I have seen this film only once and kind of in the last year, but I, I watched well, how it. How is that possible? I no, can't believe you saw it in the last year. It's allowed. It's allowed. But it, but it was one of those films that was on my to watch list for forever. And I finally, it was on like late night and I, I'm not going to lie to you. I fell asleep for okay. about half of it. Well, then this is good. So this is, and I didn't, I haven't gotten back around to revisiting it. And it wasn't like I fell asleep because it was terrible. It was just more like I was dog tired, but I was also had really was looking forward to watching it. So I tried, but it didn't, it didn't rest out. So this will be my proper first watch. Thank you. I've seen it on so many, like so many top 100 film lists. Yeah. And I'm one of those people, especially in the last couple of months, I'm hitting those lists going online, going, you know, what can I watch? I don't want to do like the normal. I love Netflix. I love all the stuff. I love seeing new films, but there's so many that, that I didn't see growing up. And there's so many that, you know, my mom and dad would talk about. And I, I've seen, like, True Grit's one of my all-time favorites with it's John. It's so Wayne. good. It, the, that movie is just so... And I loved Haley Steinfeld's whole take on the updated one with... Um, the Coen brothers, yeah. Yes. And, but, but The Searchers has just been on a list that I've never... Like, I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia. That was going to be my other pick. And I've never seen Dr. Zhivago. And I'm like... Are Jeremy and I ready for that? And he's you know probably them. I haven't seen Dr. Zhivago. So we could do another one of that. Because that's definitely <laughs> a big black hole of mine. Nine hour film. Oh, right. Is that, that's what that well, one is. I think it's Ooh. three and a bit. I think it's three and change because they used to do intermissions back in the day. Okay. What we might need to do for that is wait until this is all lifted and we can hang out together and just like nosh on food all afternoon. Yeah. yeah. We'll do that. We'll have like, we'll plan like an afternoon. Where we're both in the same, the same city and we'll, yeah. uh, we'll do it like no, that. There's a lot. I mean, people are always asking me, like I, I've never seen some like it hot. I've never seen <laughs> East of Eden. 
You would love be- some like it hot. I've never seen some like it hot. Yeah. People, so, my friend is like, how is that possible? So anyway, I did go with the searchers after a long, arduous choosing thing. And I'm really looking forward to watching that tonight. Yeah. And that's the fun of this is like, it gives us a chance to watch and discuss. So now knowing that you like true grit is a, is a much loved film by you. What it makes me wonder even more why you didn't get around to the searchers. I don't know. Cause this is I, another one of the, I think this is considered without spoiling anything. Uh, John Wayne's favorite role he ever played. Uh, okay. Well, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. He I'm, named his son after the character he played. Did not know that. Yeah. These are all things I don't know. I just, I love a good Western. I love a classic Western. Um, I love John Wayne. Although, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about John Wayne. Like you always have those friends that say, Oh, you know, he was a so-and-so Nazi sympathizer or something. And I'm like, listen, I don't, yeah. Who knows? I don't even know if that's true. All I know is that the guy ran around with one lung for a long time. And and that's, you know, I appreciate that. That's pretty good. That, there's, I mean, it's hard to know what is true and not coming out of that era of Hollywood because so much was just hushed up and, and paid out and bought out. So I can't imagine the, the Me Too stories that would come out of those years. If, I can't uh, turn my TV off. Oh, that's okay. No, something freaky just happened here, Jeremy. I had my TV off. I'm sitting here talking to you, and it just came on. Do you have an animal with uh, near remote controls? It's over here. No, not near remote control. That is eerie. Because I said something about John Wayne. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. But he, well, you know what it is? John Wayne's saying, stop talking, (laughs) watch my movie, and come back and talk after. Well, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to, I, I've got it all queued up. I, when we come back, I'm going to be in bed talking to you. So I just want to warn our viewers. That's okay. This, is, call, this, this, this will be audio only, but I will enjoy that, that visual. Okay, good. It's audio only, but just for that visual, I'm going to be, I'm going to crawl into bed and uh, I'm really excited about it. I've got I'm, popcorn ready. Nice. I've got some tea ready, and I am ready for the searchers with John Wayne. Nice. I will be in my PJs as well. I already am. So Great. Let's, let's do this. Let's do it, and uh, I'll just I'll talk to you very shortly. Yeah. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. <laughs> Repeat what you just I, said. <laughs> I, I, I just said, holy shit. I have so much to unpack that I don't even know where to start. Filmmaking, for one thing, the soundtrack is so... <laughs> I, I guess it's just a style of filmmaking, but the soundtrack is just so prominent. Mm. And in every scene, in every it wraps itself around every nuance and it's so big and the movements are so. Yeah. Well, it's it's just, it's that way from the music to the cinematography. It's just, it's a big movie. You know, there's just so many beautiful iconic shots in that film. I mean, well, it is, it's beautiful and it goes between the very obvious sets these studio sets where they've shot, you know, a good deal, like the interiors of the cabins of the homes, um, 
you know, there's some that are very obviously just done in the studio uh, yeah. to save money, I would imagine. And then you have the big epic out in wherever they are, New Mexico or Utah. I think mm-hmm. Utah, there's quite a bit of those kind of like the big hoodoos. I don't even know what those types of mountains are called. but No, but they're magnificent. I just, I just, I couldn't get over kind of the political incorrectness too of the treatment of indigenous people. And I mean, stuff you could never kind of get away with, I think, in filmmaking now. And I think it's such a, a sign of the times. Yeah. Although, you know, it's really interesting because I remember after I watched it the first time, uh, I read a bunch of articles just because my I walked away with very conflicting thoughts about it because I kind of walked away going, it feels like the ending anyway, feels strangely progressive for the time coming that this is, so this is coming at the end of like Westerns, right? Um, and And there's certainly ones that have a far better treatment of Native Americans that come after uh, but there's a lot more that are far worse before. And so this one's kind of in this weird time in the middle. And um, what was I going to say? Uh, where was I going with this? It's almost, it, it, I mean, so America at this point is coming out of Westerns that didn't want any gray zones or any moral complications with their characters. They just wanted black and white villains. They wanted like, these are the bad guys. These are the good guys. Well, without sounding like an idiot, they wanted cowboys and Indians. Yeah, no, that's exactly what they wanted. And, uh, this- and, 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 and you, I hope that all our listeners realize that I'm saying that within the context of this movie and certainly not a language we would use now. But that was what they were looking for was, you know, the, <laughs> I just, it just blew my mind to, to see that narrative unfolding, um, the way they were portrayed, uh, yeah, the know, visuals, the, the headdresses and stuff, none of that is culturally accurate <laughs> by any means. No, there's, there was, and, and there was no attempt to be culturally accurate. None no. whatsoever. Even Scar is played by a German in makeup. <laughs> you know, that's... I, well, yeah, there you go. And Scar, I mean... No, there, there is a no attempt made to have any authenticity. I, I mean, I think we're fortunate to see where filmmaking went kind of in the 70s, 80s, 90s, that it did get much more kind of factual. And just like the horses and the stunts. I mean, people must have been so hurt all the time. Mm. And I think I'm so acutely aware of watching animal welfare now and you know, running these horses across these rivers and in the snow when you clearly could see animals really struggling and falling and, you know, limping off of the screen. And there's so many things in place now that it, w- it really was funny watching it and not being able to kind of be in the story because I was watching so many things on the periphery if that makes any sense, Jeremy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, that's just it. I mean, PETA is not on set, making sure those horses no. are okay. Um, I wanted to ask you, because this is some of the stuff, I, I pulled up some of those articles, and I kind of, I was kind of browsing through them as I was watching, about like the whole, is, is, um, is this movie inherently racist, or is it a comment on racism, or what is it? And I just wanted to throw some thoughts your way and see what you think about it. Um, 
some articles were talking about how it's like it consciously focuses on the racism and that's the point of the film and that it it it's it stays in nuanced shades of gray and almost condemns the white prejudice by the end because we're, we're led to believe this whole movie that he's going to kill natalie wood debbie his yeah. his niece because niece right yeah because you know as, as far as he's concerned she's too far gone once a native always a native and she's unredeemable but the yes. moment he sees her he decides <laughs> you know, he finally decides not to um but up to that moment you're not sure because he's racist through and through i mean he's the most racist character in the movie martin's our moral center martin is even himself what like part cherokee cherokee they say so yes. and is mocked for it uh so it's interesting in that is like does the movie at the end become aware of itself um or is that just a happy accident i think they tried to make the movie aware of itself i think john wayne's character i think you know when he picked up his niece, Debbie, Natalie Wood, played by Natalie Wood, at the at the very end when you know they've 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 won this battle and he finds her at the mouth of the cave and picks her up and says, "Let's go home." And she gives in to him and and nuzzles her head and his neck. You know, I, I, somehow succumbing to the trauma that she's endured six or seven years. We're as viewers, we we kind of feel like oh, she's finally realized that she she can escape this. <coughs> excuse me, this world that she's been in. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of discomfort. It's, it was hard to watch in terms of that kind of stuff. It was like, I was, I'm, I, I think the same as you when I was like in awe of like the filmmaking and the storytelling, but then at the same time going, oof, like there's just some stuff that's, it's just hard in there. It, it, but it's also, you know, we're watching this movie 60, 70 years after what, was, what year was it made, Jeremy? 56, I think. 56. It came, yeah, it came out in 56. So, you know, we're watching it with a, a magnifying glass of 70 years in the future. Uh, or 60 years in the future, I should say. Um, and there were still so many things unsettled with the Native American Indians. There were so many treaties that had been, you know, uh, completely annihilated and 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 not honored and the way they talked about um the indigenous people like the language just the the i i know it's just semantics but what they allowed like what people funneled into theaters to watch and just fully accepted it without any without any question like i it's it really was not how i expected to feel i was excited about seeing seeing the movie because my dad spoke so highly of it. And it's such a, Oh, what a hell of a Western that was. And I remember going, taking, you know, going to the drive-in with your mom and, and it was very nostalgic for him. But for me as a 50 year old white Caucasian woman, who's already feeling very sheepish about even being a 58 year old white woman, because there's, you know, um, to watch this picture unfold with, so many things that I just, I kept slipping in and out of the story, unable yeah. to really 
enjoy it because I was made to feel so uncomfortable. And then the dialogue was funny too, because so much of it was yelled, Jeremy. I was laughing. So much of it was delivered yelling, like the female characters were yelling at, you know, they didn't get what they wanted romantically. And it was, everyone was yelling at everybody. It's true. Yeah. I, lo- I love the first scene when, uh, is it the Reverend, the big old, uh, old guy comes in he's just like sitting down barking orders and love love these donuts love, just it's it, it, it's funny the acting is still in that like weird stage where it's coming out of like very theatrical and, and not quite yet nuanced um yeah there's a funny story you'll appreciate this as a musician apparently that phrase that'll be the day is what inspired that buddy holly song Oh, that was the catchphrase. If if there was ever like a Schwarzenegger, I'll be back moment, it was that'll be the day. That'll be the day. I wish you were dead. That'll be the day. I wish you were never born. That'll be the day. Like they really gave John, you know, these catchphrase lines. Maybe they didn't even realize that's what they were doing. No, but I, don't, I bet I don't you a think lot so, of people yeah. said that. I bet, but I bet you a lot of people. Oh, for sure. Towards saying that. But he was such a man's man, like uh, unemotional, not romantically involved with anybody. Um, you know, it, it was just very interesting to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful to look at. Love seeing all of it. It was great seeing the buffalo herd. Um, I wasn't quite sure about that scene when, when John Wayne's character was firing into the buffalo I, I don't, I, I rewound it actually at that point, Jeremy, because I was like, what am I missing here? Is he just indiscriminately shooting into the Buffalo trying to take as many down as he could? Or I think, was it that they thought that they were hiding amongst them? Okay. Maybe that's what I missed. If, if Was he shooting at? I figured they were going to kill one for food, just for, if, if nothing else. Right. Um, just for sustenance. Uh, along the along the trail but i think i if i remember i can't remember specifically but if i remember i think maybe they were they thought they might be hiding amongst them okay anyway but maybe not well the editing was zany i mean there was the 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 dissolves and then jump cuts and i wasn't too sure exactly where we were headed and um and and even as a writer i don't know what your feelings are about this but I just found the script somewhat disjointed too, but maybe that was the way that they made films back then. Like I really felt like, Oh man, I need to follow along here. I need to, cause they just were jumping around so much. And the time frame in which those two guys were wandering the, Five years. the American, yeah. The, the planes, they were out there for years. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the one letter was supposed to be sort of the narrative and the voice of, what had happened during all that time. So that was almost like a whole different genre that they jumped to of, of the, the, I forget what her name was at home. She was waiting for Marty to come home and reading this letter. And then they were jumping back and forth from them reading the letter in the cabin to them reenacting what she was reading. So it was a completely different offshoot a style like it was a style within the movie itself that we hadn't seen up until that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely took some liberties there that probably weren't being done in Westerns either. I mean, it's, it's interesting because the whole story takes place over five years, right? 
Yeah. And we got to see seasons pass and, and time change. And it's really, I mean, if any, if anything, you almost not forgive, uh, like the terribleness of John Wayne's character, but it's like, because of his obsessive nature, you know, you kind of give him a bit of a gold star for that. Uh, and, uh, it said, I read somewhere that, uh, this was like the inspiration for stuff like, uh, taxi driver and Travis Bickle's character, which is like off the rails, but also, you know, out to save a, a white woman from despair. And even somewhere it said, George Lucas, uh, was taken with this for the whole princess Leia star, star Wars storyline really? in the first star Wars where they, they go off to save Holy her. Holy moly. Well, I, it, it would have been a very well, now huge it's a, commentary back then for, I mean, it's like no Western I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of the Westerns. Like I was addicted and to this day we'll watch Hang 'em High or Fistful of Dollars or Good, Bad and the Ugly. I'll watch any of those spaghetti Westerns with Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Well, those ones are, are more just going, and it's the same as all the old Kurosawa samurai movies, which are more or less Westerns. He was very much inspired by the American Western. Uh, but it's, it's the same thing. It was like samurais versus, usually it was against bandits. You know, it wasn't like uh, painting such a horrid picture of a specific, you know, ethnicity, which is what this does. Where it's like, at least in the spaghetti Westerns, it's, you know, maybe the bad guys are Mexican, but it's like, they're also just criminals. Like they're not, they don't hate these but people. They, they were all, they were all bad. I, I think the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the European white guys were just as bad. Mm. I think maybe that's why they were easier to watch. This was definitely a racist movie to watch, even the way, and John, it was John Wayne's character, but the way he spoke to, everybody and how he addressed them and it it was uh it was it was very it was difficult yeah <clears throat> not at all what i expected it'd be fascinating to watch a remake of this that was through the point of view of the native side and and why they would go into these these places and, and do what they did and what it's like to be pursued and, and it'd be interesting to see that side of it told from that perspective uh, you know, from the appropriate people who would be able to like shine a light on that on that side of it. I'd love to see that, like the other side of this story. Um, anyway, that's that's how I'd love to see a remake of this. You call it the search. Oh, yeah, I mean Natalie Wood. Uh, obviously, uh, the, her character, Debbie's character, was enjoying her life. Yeah, she you know, she she, that. she didn't seem to be like tied up or kept there. She, uh, I mean in an abstract way, I think she loved Scar and she was with this, she was a very little girl when they kidnapped her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this, and, is her, uh, this is what she knows. And, and it's what it's what she knew. And she had these memories of growing up, you know, with all these people, but she'd almost spent, you know, an equal amount of her life with her new native family. So yeah, it was, it, it almost felt like, if anything, the, her, her white family was kidnapping her back and, and doing something just as terrible yeah. the second time around. So it, it felt like, listen, she doesn't want to go back with you. No, and that's what I loved about the, the first time um, they go 
And she's just, I mean, she's the one that presents the scalps and it's like, Oh, like what a great reveal. Oh, like what a great reveal right. that uh, it's her holding the scalps. And especially when you later on find that one of the scalps is Martin's mother. Um, it, what a, what a brilliant reveal. And I love that concept of her saying, no, I don't want to leave. This is my home. I'm fine. Uh, and having that embroiled with, uh, John Wayne's not even wanting to rescue her. His plan at that point is to kill her. And then Martin's the only one that really wants to save her. Like, it's really great that the three of them are all at cross purposes there. And that's a really, yeah. that's a really fascinating and dramatic thing. Cause you're like, who, who do I want to win? Who should, I mean, you don't want John Wayne to win. You want John Wayne to <laughs> back, back the fuck off and, and, and not, you know, not kill Natalie Wood. Yeah. Marty was the only guy that I really liked through this whole picture. He's the moral center. <laughs> You know, I think that's what you're supposed to want. You get that funny. I love. I my favorite character, I think, is Mose. <laughs> all he wants. <laughs> what is, a- is that all about? That's oh. a lot to unpack. I think, you know, something kind of nutty, uh, bananas, like mental illness with that guy. Like he yeah. just seemed like, but he, he. That's the way he played him. He just played him like. I don't care what happens in life. I'm just here for a good time. No, the actor himself isn't amazing. He's a bit over the top, but it's like you could see how someone with a bit more nuance could have just played that as just kind of that innocent, you know, less intelligent man in, in that time who's just, he just wants the simple things. Give him a roof over his head and a rocking chair by the fire and he's happy. You know, he, he's looking for that girl the whole time they're gone. And you, yeah. you find out that he's been still on the trail, but in a different way, like, if nothing else, you, you, you're appearing dear to him towards that. Well, it was, it was an epic journey. And, and it is hard to realize just how far things have actually come for the better in the last 60 years. Yeah. Oh, but there's even t- been so much ground made as far as how we perceive each other and that we really understand that, you know, the stories that we tell are so important that they're told with authenticity. And, and, and you're, to, to your point, Jeremy, right? Like, I'd love to see the remake you were saying, but done in a way that was authentic. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Even like you say in the last 60 years, how far we've come, it's really less than that. It's like, because 12 years ago in 2008, the AFI put out their top hundred Westerns of all time. And this was number one. Um, so you think that was only 12 years ago. Yeah. I think the now, ser- this, the searchers was number one on the AFI is the American film in the suits top hundred Westerns. I'm, I'm baffled by it. I, I don't, I just don't know. That would not be my choice. And I've seen, so many westerns yeah so my dad just that's what we watched at home there was always a western on yeah and when real bravo like that's howard hawks right yeah uh you you'd know better than me yeah i think so um i have that that one i love too and i think that's um it's interesting here i re- i watched and i and i don't remember that well i gotta rewatch it again the, the other john ford movie i know is stagecoach have you seen stagecoach yep Stagecoach. I mean, I preferred Stagecoach over this, and I preferred True Grit over this. You know, John Wayne was near the end of his career. Um, his health wasn't great. He was still smoking a lot. He might have even had cancer then. 
or he might've even been doing it with the one lung. I forget when the surgery was in that timeline, but true grit was, it was the seventies and it was just a different time frame. And I I, I just enjoyed it so much, but yeah, that that surprises me, Jeremy. I'm glad I saw it. I I'm glad I saw it, but I just. True, true grit was one of my mom's favorite movies. Yeah, I think it was one of my dad's too. And one of my all-time, it's not really a Western, but Sounder was Cicely Tyson. Um, it's just one of my favorite, favorite movies. I, I don't, it just was such a great movie. Hard to watch. Yeah. The, 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 but, um, the Western. Like, I a- wouldn't recommend this to anybody. I would not, I would not recommend The Searcher to anybody. Interesting. I'd say like, I don't, I don't know if you should watch that one. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'd tell people to proceed with caution. Like, know what you're getting, going to getting into it. It's got some... Maybe that's it. Well, yeah, I think that's it. It's kind of, if someone wants to watch it, they're going to watch it. But it's like the idea of going, well, go in with a grain of salt. Like, it's definitely of its time. You have to, you have to kind of do a little bit of history lessening before, but then also understand how, you know, this stuff is not culturally accurate. And it's just... <laughs> It's playing to the tropes of the old Western. Well, it's like I said, it's in this weird in-between place where it's it's playing into all the tropes that the American audience wants from Western, but also trying to like navigate towards where it's going to go, but not necessarily successfully. Yeah. I mean, they they somehow made John Wayne the hero. You know, the the final scene when he's walked out the door away from his immigrant pals only because he doesn't murder his niece (laughs) that's what makes him a hero and the the, the irony is he just scalped scar like he (laughs) rides into the tent and does the thing that he would condemn the quote-unquote savages for when he when the knife went up in the air and he had scar's hair in his hand i'm like is he gonna scalp him I was shocked by that, that act of out, that rage. And I wonder if that isn't to appease, like, what the audience wants at that point in, like, taking down Scar, but not him fulfilling his journey of killing his niece to, like, cleanse her. Uh, if that's, like, the, the bargain he makes with himself, that is, like, he won't kill his niece, but he's got to defame Scar, which doesn't even make sense to him in his own way. Like, it made more sense at the beginning of the movie when they're riding through and he shoots the, the other native in the eyes. And he's like, that's the most offensive thing you can do to these people. Cause that means he's going to wander around blind in the afterlife. That would have made more sense. Uh, to that be- was shocking too. But at least that felt like maybe one of the more cultural as- culturally accurate things in the movie. I'd have to look that up. It's probably not, but, but if he had done that to scar, that would have been more of a, Insulting. He's a hell of a shot, Jeremy. To <laughs> he certainly be sitting, is. Sitting on a moving horse to shoot a guy's eyeballs out. Both eyes, yeah. Two shots is all it took. Yeah. Him. On a moving horse. <laughs> Bonkers. But honest to God, some of that stunt work, just on a technical level, was it, it twisted my brain out of my head. Uh, the falls, yeah. the, the, the physicality of... Uh, a full freaking gallop like these horses were flat out ears back running across the this ter- rough terrain and these guys just nail on the ground well, like there the- was no full mats there was no they were hitting the dirt 
and and I, I can't um, I can't fathom the injuries that happened during the filming of these movies, this type of movie. No, there's that one shot where um, right after they had, uh, had the first encounter with with Scar's people, and Natalie Wood has come down to act as like the bait, and that one guy, the one native, is coming down that sand dune. And then they shoot the horse and they just tumble down the hill. It's like that. There's no ropes. There's they, no, the not horse, CGI. They did, I, yes. They went, they went over top of each other and that they just kept rolling. Like God, that, that hurt. That might've killed was, some, who knows? I'm interested to look that up, but there's no same as like, I don't know if you've ever watched any of those old Kurosawa movies, but you look at something like seven samurai and the ending of that is the ending of that in terms of just like the stunt work and what they're doing with the horses and people makes this look like nothing because just the way they're running around and during the rain, they do that sequence at the end of seven samurai in the rain. And you're like, how the hell did 30 people not die from this? But then you, you find out that they had much more strict policies in Japan doing this kind of stuff. And they took like two weeks to shoot that sequence because they were so meticulous with how they did it. Not to say people didn't get hurt. I'm sure someone did, but you, at least you go, okay, that's how you do it. You, you respected the, the difficulty of the situation. You gave it time. But here, I don't know if you get that sense. I, I think it was, I think there was a lot of things that were overlooked just for the sake of getting the shot. I don't, I really don't think they cared that much about it. I could be really wrong. I would be interesting to hear. I mean, all those Wranglers would be dead and gone now. I'm pretty sure unless there was a few young fellas that might be in their eighties now that were working with the horses and working with the animals, but it's certainly, you know, it was something else. And there was hundreds and hundreds of horses. No, there's no way that the horses were any kind of a priority at this point in time. I, I can't imagine. They just saw them as tools as part of the, as a prop in the movie. Yeah. And, and if one broke his leg, get me the next one, you know? Yeah. I, I think you're right. So for me, it, it that kind of took away from the enjoyment of the movie, but I, I to back away from it though, and to look at, you know, the storyline and how complicated it was and the amount of time, like you were saying, the five or six or seven years that they were out there looking for this woman and, and that at the heart of it was, you know, John Wayne's character of just not, I'm going to go find this woman. I'm going to find this kid no matter what. And I'm going to go by myself. And, and, you know, you think, well, he's risking his life obviously to go do this. Mm -hmm. And you for know, what, to, to really just, there, there, there was no payoff for him. There was nothing. To, it was to save that girl's soul by killing her. To, I guess is the only, his only driving force, which is like, does that make, that's interesting. And it's like, I, I guess if you want to like, there's no way the title meant this then, but for me, you know, having read some of those, those thought pieces and, and just, you know, looking at it from this angle, you almost hope that it's like that last shot of him. He doesn't go in the house. He walks away. And it's mm -hmm. almost like, you know, his, he's left this experience. Not like, quite. where is he going to go? Well, that's kind of what I'm, I, I want to read into the ending is that it's like the searchers about him searching for himself. And by the end, he's not quite sure who he is anymore. He's not this man he used to be. He's got to consider an alternative way. And, and he's got to change. Like there's this little crack that he's shown by not killing his niece. And hopefully he goes on this spiritual, <laughs> spiritual journey. This is where I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> there's there's nothing there's not understanding in the movie no, yet. I, 
I, this is every time you say that, you know, that he's rewarded for not killing, for not murdering his niece. And <laughs> that's his hero and moment. And, and, and now he, we, we give him mercy. We forgive him. And, you know, and he rises out of the, the ashes as this, this unsung hero that is not going to be rewarded for his gallant actions of not murdering his niece. And really that it's funny every time you say it. It's crazy. Well, I mean, he does, he walks away. He's alone. He's not going to the house. He's not part of that group. You know, Martin Martin's in there with his, his new lady, the lady that he left and wrote one letter to in the whole five years he was gone and then got mad that she was getting married to somebody else. Uh, but uh, yeah, oh, he's even not- how even how Martin's relationship was portrayed with what was her name? Sorry, the the woman that loved I, him the whole time. I can't remember her name. Well, uh, anyway, I, I it was even the way they portrayed her female character was really quite progressive because there's a, a scene where Martin is in a bathtub, you know, filled with water and she's in there collecting all his dirty clothes off the floor. And she's telling him, I'm, I've got brothers. I've, I've seen, you know, lots of guys naked, like it's no big deal. And, and, you know, she was not portrayed as this pristine, like she made no bones about it. Like, I want to see your weenie and I'd, you know, love to be getting it on with you right now. And when I think about the times, I mean, she was very clearly very aggressive and not the shy demure. Oh, I couldn't, this is so embarrassing to think about you in that bathtub. And that's, that scene stuck with me as, as I was, you know, watching it is like, wow, there, she's making no bones. She wants to get it on with this guy. Yeah. And I'm thinking this puritanical audience that's watching this and her parents are in the other room. And it's 1956. And, like the, the Hayes production code is well in effect still. Like, so that must've been a pretty edgy thing for, I mean, I think this movie seemed probably must've been very, felt very provocative and edgy when it came out at that time. Oh, for sure. But that stuck with me because I'd never really seen that in that period of time with a female being aggressive and making it very, very clear that she'll do whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and with the parents in the other room. Yeah. And she's in there with a a guy naked in the bathtub. So that kind of surprised me. And it's not like, you get that character in Westerns, but they're prostitutes, you know, and then it's okay because they're, you know, they're of that, they're, uh, they're already a damaged woman, but this is someone who's, you know, probably a virgin in the movie, I assume, despite her having seen many junks from many brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fascinating. Well, it's sure an experience. There's, like I said, there's a lot to unpack. You know, some of those secondary male characters that came and went in in the original searcher pack, like the 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 the, the preacher and who was the preacher sometimes and then they called him the colonel or was it the colonel? No. Well he was part of the um well he, I think it's just it was back then it's like people were mul- literally more wore multiple hats and so he was like he was a colonel or some something in the army. But back home he was a reverend, so now so he's both really. But just that that original pack that went off to to find the two girls, and then I don't know, and just there was a lot of B characters that really didn't serve any purpose, but just to be there. Then they were gone again. No, at least the reverend. How they how they cast that? How they cast those 
people just to support John Wayne's story because they really didn't have any purpose. Well, you get the Reverend, I think, does he because he's an interesting the character, Reverend too. Does, for sure. Yeah, because he's definitely like what's interesting about him is when you know, when John Wayne first shows up at the beginning of the movie, he's come from the Civil War, yes. the, yeah, and he was yeah. clearly on the other side, uh, and did some stuff like he's got money that probably he shouldn't have, like gold coins or something that points to like him having been part of something that is not is treasonous now. Uh, and they, and, and so the Reverend is like meant to represent that other side. That's going to condemn him eventually for these sins. And you know, they're about to take them off right when they get back, when they find out the scar and his people are, are not too far away. Like they're about to ride off to have some kind of a trial, I think for whatever he did during the civil war. And then that's interrupted by, them going off to save Debbie. And then who knows what happens then? It's like, maybe that's why he's leaving at the end. He's going to ride off into the sunset because he knows that his past crimes are about to catch up with him and he can't be there. He can't stay there. Yes. He's definitely an anti-hero. Well, nobody does it like John Wayne. I mean, just the way he delivered his lines. Well, that'll be the day. (laughs) I'm going to start using that, Jeremy. Right? You should do a cover of the Buddy Holly song, but you should do it as like a country musical song. That'll be the day that you say goodbye. It's funny that it came from that movie. What a great piece of trivia. Yeah, isn't that fun? But then, of course, when you. But then, when you. I want to go back and read the lyrics from that song now, because I'm sure it really connects to, because I'm just trying to, that'll be the day that you make me cry. Like all that, that's something. John you say you're going to leave me. I know it's a lie. Cause that'll, that'll be, be the, the day, day that I die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Well, I'm really glad that we did this. So thank you for one thing. I've always wanted to see, the movie just because of a nostalgic idea I have in my head with my dad. Yeah. He loved it so much. He just enjoyed it. Thought it was such a great movie. I, I, I'm perplexed. Maybe just from political correctness being completely not on the table for this at all. So I'm so used to, you know, some sort of refereeing going on in filmmaking now to some degree. Yeah, but it's great. I'm, I'm glad we did this for this too because it's definitely the kind of movie you want to talk to somebody about after you watch it to go, did I see what I think I saw? Yeah. And, and how do I feel about that? Yeah. But other than that, I mean, the look of it, the big shots, I can't imagine. You know, we have drones now. Some of those far off, they look like aerial shots. They look like helicopters. Did they have helicopters in the 50s? I guess they did. But, I mean, it was incredibly expensive to make. Like I said, there was thousands of horses probably that were switched, swapped in and out. Yeah. Lots of extras, big epic scenes. And then the intimate studio stuff that they shot in cabins and shot in, you know, when they, wa- when they walked across that pond, I thought it was such an interesting, you know, the preacher's in his white suit. And I'm just thinking, what's the meaning of this? And they walked across, they staggered across this this pond that was clearly in the studio. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, 
And then, and then you go to these big outdoor shots with horses tumbling down the hills and stuntmen flying everywhere. And you're just like, oh my yeah. God. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. I almost think of it as like, it's a complicated masterpiece is my, my, my the most generous way to put it. They, that should be your final words. They <laughs> took a lot of risks. And like you said, it was the end of an era. It was the end of a style of Western. And they, it, it did depart from the, the typical Western bad guy, good guy story because you have a hard time recognizing the antagonist and the protagonist. I did. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's, it's almost got to be Martin, right? Even though the story is kind of through Ethan's point of view, Martin is definitely our, our moral center of the film. Yeah, he always, and he's consistent in how he behaves. And yeah. even when uh, Ethan sells him down the river, like puts, builds a fire beside him when he's lying there <laughs> so he can get those guys to come to the camp so he can shoot them. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, wow. Thank you for enduring this with me and Thank going you. to it again. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm glad I did revisit it because I definitely, I, I fell asleep having watched it late at night. It came out like 11 o'clock at night one night and I was like, I can make this. I did not. But uh, so I'm glad I, I was able to watch it with a clear head and, and really focus on it. So thank you for the The soundtrack selection. will stay with me forever. Like it was so dramatic and so epic. There was very few frames that were not completely annihilated by music Mm. and even if you wanted to feel a certain way the music told you no you can't feel like this you need to feel like this so that was interesting to me too jeremy is how much the music negotiated emotion and to let the viewer know this is what this is here this is very serious this is a little bit lighthearted. oh this is really bad (laughs) this is Oh, this might be hopeful, but here we go. It it wore me out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my final thought. I love the it. soundtrack. The soundtrack wore me out. All right. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Jeremy. I'm a big fan of what you do, and well. you know, I just think you do so much for Canadian film and. And you're just masterful. And congratulations on everything. You've had so many wonderful accolades with James and his future self. And oh, thank um, you so much. Just you know, you just you you just are very. You're so dedicated, and your storytelling is whimsical and funny and sad, and you know, it's all the things. And that's what makes your stuff so great to watch and to be part of. So you should be really proud of yourself. You got so much, so many wonderful things ahead of you. I think you're just coming into such a great age. I think for any human being, men certainly. And, uh, and with that confidence and with your experience, I think you're going to be able to really tell some great stories as you go forward. So hang on to your, hang on to your pants. I'll keep making, I'll keep making, I'll keep making stuff just because you told me to Jen. no, no. And it wouldn't kill you to find me a part of a mute nun that gets kidnapped by, you know, a group of Hutterites. Let's try and keep it politically correct, okay? Done. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's all go to the Thanks for joining us for The Searchers. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a